Welcome to Design Speaks, the podcast that helps you discover uncommon inspiration, take control of your creativity, and create work that gets noticed. I'm your host, Brandy C. Joining me is my co-host, Julie Hyder. This week, we're going to be talking about what you can do to help your people find you. Stay tuned for that, coming up later in the show. Hi, Julie. Hi, Brandy. So, Julie. Yes. Would you think it was weird if the Geek Squad guy from Best Buy came to your house, knocked on your door, and asked if you need help fixing your computer, and you did not ask for him to come? Yes. Uh, I think that would be very weird. And I would definitely be like, um, please go away. (laughs) (laughs) What What are you doing here? Did you fake that Geek Squad van? Yeah. Yeah. So I would totally be like, if I needed your help, I know where to find you, Best Buy guy. But honestly, this is how we treat finding our people sometimes. Instead of letting them know what we offer and helping them know where to find us, We often show up at their door with our product or service and expect it to be a success and not super awkward or off-putting. So today we're going to talk about not being the weird geek squad guy. (laughs) And uh, so more on that in a minute. But first, what have you been working on, Julie? So I've had like a little bit of a break from shooting elopements um, and... I'm about to start back on that. So lately I've just been working on helping um, my couples figure out all the last minute details. And there's been quite a few changes because, you know, the world is very uncertain right now. <laughs> yeah. I bet a lot more people are doing elopement weddings. Are they? Is that like a trend that's like going up during coronavirus? Yeah, for sure. Lots of people who are planning a big wedding who don't want to postpone it are just going ahead and getting married. But the thing I love about that is a lot of those people are, that's what they wanted in the first place, but they felt pressured to have a big wedding. So I'm happy for them that they're doing what they actually wanted anyway. That's fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of things being different, because of, you know, COVID and stuff, you and I have had to adapt quite a bit. Most of our season for season one was over Zoom. And so this season, starting with this episode, we're doing video now. So yeah, for for those of you who are listening, we actually are doing a video, a full, unedited, God help us, version of this <laughs> on YouTube now. So this is our first one. There's probably going to be some bumps for all of you watching over video because The upside to the audio is it's going to probably be a little cleaner and we're going to sound way more polished. But (laughs) yes, the bonus to the video is you get to see our smiling faces. And Julie, please describe for the winners that get to see this video what they get to see behind you. (laughs) Yes. So I have a lovely closet here to my right, uh, your standard closet closet door. And to my left, we have a tropical scene with (laughs) wind blowing through the palm trees, the waves crashing on the shore. It's quite nice. I'm pretending that this is my window. It's not. It's a green screen, but we're pretending it's a window. So you just had like a green screen laying around? Uh, (laughs) My husband is a Twitch streamer. Yeah, he happens to have a green screen. So I commandeered it for the day. You also commandeered his gaming headset. 
So actually, this one is that mine. one's yours. You're a gamer, yes. Julie. I am actually. <laughs> I, I feel very intimidated. Like something's about to go down, and I need to be careful. Don't worry. I'll I'll go easy on you. <laughs> That's awesome. So so yeah, we're doing video now, and I'm really excited. You can find it on YouTube. We'll have our we've had a, a Design Speaks podcast YouTube channel for a while set up, but we just never really got around to putting you know putting anything out there. So this is our chance. I'm really excited to see be able to reach more people on video and just be able to put makeup on or I guess <laughs> I don't know. It, the ups and downs are there. Like we can show up without makeup and that's great, but then sometimes it's nice to just like get ready. Like you're going yeah, to like a real to meeting feel like or something. Are semi-normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's what that's what we've been doing over here. So that's really exciting, and I hope that you guys will check that out. So this week I've been inspired by. So Michelle actually sent me a episode. Do you know who Malcolm Gladwell is? Um, I feel like I've heard the name, but I don't remember who he is. I don't know much about him to be honest. He's. He's got a podcast that's really popular called Revisionist History that I've listened to like randomly over the years. But Michelle sent me this episode called Dragon Psychology and I was listening to it and it's basically it's called Dragon Psychology 101 and the episode is basically about how the idea that dragons hoard treasure, right? Like they have a lair and they hide in there and they just hoard treasure and they Kill anyone right. who tries to take it. So they don't show it off to their neighbors. You don't ever know like what they have or how much they have. And so this episode with Malcolm Gladwell, he's basically talking about Andy Warhol and hoarders and like art museums that base that like hoard collections that they never put out. They don't share them mm -hmm. with anyone. They're just like in back closets and J.R.R. Tolkien wrote a lot about, you know, Smaug and the the hoarding of treasure and what that does to your mind and how that affects the dwarves and like all this stuff. So the yeah. idea of hoarding and I was listening to this and thinking, you know, it really inspired me to think about how people in general, you know, I think people like to hoard things. But I think as creatives and creative professionals, sometimes we like to hoard like our knowledge. We feel like what like any particular way we do something is like our treasure. And like if we share it with somebody, yeah. we're losing something if we don't keep it to ourselves. But the opposite's actually true that we grow by sharing, which is such a weird idea. It sounds like don't you lose by giving away, but you actually get something back. So it was just it was it was a good reminder to me not to hoard the things I share. I, I think I, I try really hard to give people a lot of free value. I also know that I can have the tendency sometimes when I'm trying to create content to think like, well, is this something like I should save for like my course or my mastermind group yeah. or the like the people that I coach? But ultimately, like those things go deeper in a way that I can never go like on a podcast or in a blog mm -hmm. or in an Instagram post or you know, anything. So sharing bits of the treasure that I have here and there and really has really helped me realize that like I actually grow more by doing that. Yeah. And I think that if 
if other creatives can kind of grasp onto that concept that like, don't be a dragon, like don't hoard all of the treasure that you have. Don't hoard your knowledge, your skills, your expertise just for the people that are going to pay you for it. If you have something to share, share it. Knowledge is so valuable. And I think that if, you know, if I can be an encouragement to, to anyone with that inspiration this week, it's just try and share more and you will actually get more by doing that. So anyways, that's, that's what I've been thinking about a lot lately. I love that. Um, cause I'm all about community over competition and I love Lord of the Rings. So this is perfect. It's all the good things. It's like Andy Warhol and J.R.R. Tolkien. How is this going to find common ground? And somehow it did. Anyways, <laughs> sidebar, Andy Warhol was like a major hoarder. So that was where that came in. And they have like his entire collection of just randomness in this museum. was Scoobies in the Back by Half Noise. So honestly, a lot of times I bring songs that can be a little more serious or a little heavy, or maybe they've affected me emotionally or mentally. And sometimes, well, more than sometimes creatively, obviously. But this week I brought this song because I've been listening to it basically since quarantine started, which is some months now. So it's got some staying power. It's really just light and it's about you know, just hanging out. It kind of gives you the vibe that you're just hanging out in the, in the van with Scooby and the gang and driving down the beach and enjoying the wind in your hair, which gosh, I would give anything for that right now. But the point is sometimes it's fun to just have a song that is just for fun. It has a good, good vibe, good energy, and just kind of helps you be in a good mood. All right. So that was fun. And you should go listen to it too, Julie, since you didn't get a chance to hear it either. Okay. Yeah. If you like Scooby, I don't know. Some people don't. <laughs> I never really watched it, but I'm I'm not against Scooby. <laughs> okay. As long as you're not against Scooby, then we'll be all right. So, okay. So, Julie, let's talk. Now we get to yeah. talk about the real stuff. Yeah. So, earlier in this season, we were talking about how to find out who your target market is to dive really deep into that. And that's really great foundational stuff. But what do you do with that information? How do you make it so that those people particularly can find you? Because if other people who aren't your target market are finding you, it's probably not going to be the best fit for either one of you. And you don't want there to be crickets, you know, you don't want the, you yes. don't want to know who your people are and then they can't find you. So today, um, I'm really excited to be talking about like how to get those people, your people. Yeah. So the, the idea behind this whole season, and we talked about this earlier, but again, this, this is almost like an episode one of sorts for the people that are finding us on YouTube. 
we are we are very practical this season. So last season it was a lot of like creative confidence and a lot more internal how to find inspiration and there are a lot of practical things to that, but this season we really wanted to give people like when you leave this podcast, you can turn it off and go do something. Like go out yeah. and actually, you know, write your target story or you know, figure out what your goals are and your purpose and all these kinds of things. So yeah, today we really wanted to talk about things like finding finding your people on social media, hashtag strategies. Uh, Julie is like an amazing SEO guru. So she's going to be talking about <laughs> SEO. Uh, we'll probably talk a little bit about like Google AdWords and alt text just to cover like the basics. But I'm going to I'm going to let you start with sort of SEO because I think that that's I think people get the general idea behind hashtags, and I will talk a little bit more about how to use those strategically, but I think that SEO is probably the thing that, honestly, when people approach me that are not my people, that they obviously did not read the description of what I do, and they say, can you help me with my website? And I'm like, no, no, I cannot, but I know someone who possibly can, depending on what that is. So tell uh, tell us about SEO. Tell us how people can use what they know about their person, their audience to help them figure some of that out. So SEO can seem really like intimidating and it does take a little bit of knowledge, but I think it's kind of fun. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm a weirdo. But, I, don't, I don't know what to say to you. You're like a sadist if you like SEO. <laughs> That's like people that like to code. I don't understand you. You just look at lines of of numbers and words all day. (laughs) It's like a fun challenge, I think. And I think part of the reason I do see it as like a challenge and not just like, oh, I'm going to plug in this keyword a thousand places on my website is because I like to take the approach of not just looking at the like obvious things, Mm -hmm. but more creatively coming in and thinking about other ways that I can find or I can have my target market find me when they're not even looking for me. That's my favorite thing to do. Okay, let's (laughs) talk about that. Yeah. Okay. So I'm an adventure elopement photographer. So obviously I try to rank for that keyword on my homepage and all that. And that's like pretty basic SEO stuff, um, which you can find good information about that. Which is basically just taking your title and sticking that in places. Yeah, yeah, putting those that keyword phrase into as many different places as you can. And I won't bore you guys with all that because that's basic information you can find so mm-hmm. many places. Where I think it gets more interesting is kind of taking a step back and thinking what is it that your target market like what are okay, so when we were talking about your target market, we dove into like what are the issues that they're facing, mm-hmm. like what are their potential objections to hiring someone like you, like all those different things. And I think if we look back at that information now, it can actually help us know like how we can sort of insert ourselves into where they're looking around. Into their so, story. Yeah. Like for instance, for you, Brandy you don't do just plain old logo design. So yes, you could try to rank for some keyword related to logo design, but that's not going to bring you. That's literally going to do the opposite of what I want. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so that's really like not going to be an efficient use of your time. So I would want to try and rank for 
Design strategist, creative coach. Yes. Yeah. But let's say your target market doesn't know that they need a design strategist. How in the heck do you Mm. get to them? Yeah. (laughs) When they don't know that they're looking for you. So one of the things that I like to do is look at what problems they're facing and think about like what sort of things would they be Googling Mm. when they're trying to figure that out. And also kind of like what is the step before looking for you? So for an elopement photographer, we are usually one of the first things that a couple books before they get to like, you know, the more minor details or like to booking like a florist or something like that. But usually they're looking at other things before they start to look for a photographer. And I want them to find me in that stage, not when they're looking for photographers, because that sets me apart from everyone else. If I'm the only photographer that they find who's giving great information, then I don't even have to compete against the other photographers, right? Speaking of not hoarding. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm thinking about like, okay, so a couple is considering eloping or maybe they've already decided they are going to elope. What kind of questions do they have and what are they Googling right now? So for me, that's stuff related to locations or maybe they're thinking about like, oh, what dress would I want to wear or like what even kind of dress should I be looking for? Mm. So for instance, I have a blog post that is about how to find an adventure elopement dress. And so it's giving tips on like what kind of dresses are going to be really hard to, you know, hike in and stuff like that. And the things you need to consider about like fabrics and, you know, temperatures and seasons that you're eloping, all that kind of good information. That's expertise that I already have. If I was just having a you know, a conversation with one of my brides, like that's information I could give her. So it's really valuable. It shows that I'm an expert and people are searching from that. I just looked at um, my like uh, Google analytics yesterday and that blog post is really trending right now because so many people are deciding to elope and they're like, crap, is my dress like, you know, the dress that I was planning to get? Um, Maybe I need to make those changes. So they're asking those questions and they're finding that blog post. So I think that's a really amazing way to put yourself out there for people to find you when they don't even know that they need to find you yet. Right. So knowing their problem like is is the first step. And and hopefully by this point in, in the journey that we're helping take you on this season, you do know what those problems are. Yeah, absolutely. So when I'm trying to think of that stuff, I really just like make a list of all the different things that all the questions people might have, the kinds of things that they might be searching for. And then, you know, what do you do next with that? So that's where keyword research comes in. And I know that can also sound scary. It's so overwhelming. It it can be. Yeah. it's, It's like I have, especially for, you know, who a lot of our listeners are, independent graphic designers, so freelance or small boutique, you know, or something like that, it's very much like, oh my gosh, this is just like one more thing that I have to try and figure out. And it can be, it can be a lot. And I speak, I speak as someone who, when I first started trying to figure this out, and I still don't have it figured out. My SEO was probably not great on my website, if I'm being perfectly honest, because I haven't, I haven't gotten this deep into it. So you're also like, I'm taking notes for me and also <laughs> yeah. our audience is definitely going to get a lot out of this. So continue. <laughs> yeah. So for kind of combating the overwhelm, I recommend just like diving deep into this for a day or two and just sort of, you know, getting your mindset on that and then just going, doing everything you need to do. And then 
you'll have a plan and then you can go do that like as needed. So it doesn't feel like, you know, you don't need to do this every day, every week, even every month, especially once you get kind of get this foundation. So you start with those questions that you've got. And then I think you could probably like use your word map actually for some of this. Um, (laughs) I think you and I need to have a side session and do this together. I'm interested in this idea. Yeah. So it's very much like brainstorming. Um, So I, I, like I told you, I'm nerdy about SEO. So I have a spreadsheet in Google Docs. Oh boy, (laughs) here we go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I start with like some basic keywords that I think like be something that people are searching for. So to just kind of preface this, keyword research is figuring out which keywords people are actually searching for on Google. And sometimes like what you expect it to be is what people are searching, mm-hmm. but other times it's not. And so So this goes beyond it, just getting on Google like I did yesterday and going graphic designers are and leaving a blank you and know seeing what, that's what actually, comes up. <laughs> like that's totally something you could do. Yeah. Which PS like the fourth biggest answer was pretentious. I don't know how oh, to feel man. about that. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, actually, you can totally use um, Google for that, you know, like either leave it blank and see what it's auto populating, because that's going to be something that's searched for often. And then also, if you search for kind of like a more general keyword, um, if you scroll all the way down to the bottom of the results page, it's going to give you some suggestions of like related searches. So usually if you start with something general, it's going to give you something more specific. Sometimes that matches what you do and sometimes it doesn't, but that's like a super fast easy, quick way to do things. If you're scared of using Google AdWords planner. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like you saying that the that I should use the word map for this, then all of a sudden I feel like not overwhelmed anymore. I'm like, yeah, oh, I feel I can like do that's that. totally doable. <laughs> I mean, I have a spreadsheet, but if like writing it out like that, I think that could really help you. And like I said, it's just kind of a brainstorm. So I usually start with something that just comes to mind right away. And then, so if you go into, I personally just use um, the the Google AdWords Keyword Planner. I think that's what it's called now. They've changed the name. Okay. But, um, you could probably yeah, find so, it if you just search Google AdWords. Yeah. Something. Yeah. So obviously when you use that, like they are wanting you to actually do a Google AdWords campaign, but I've never done that. And you don't have to, to use this keyword planner. So you just have to like pretend that you're going to do it and then not actually go through with it, basically. Sweet. It's like window shopping. (laughs) Yeah. How to window shop Google. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) When you go into there, you have two different options. One of them is to just like check the analytics on specific keywords. So you're supplying all those keywords and it's going to tell you how many times um, it's being searched per month and like what your competition rate is. But then the other option is, I'm trying to remember exactly how they word it, but it's basically like you suggest one keyword and then it's going to come up with other keywords that I think are related Mm. and suggest those to you. So it's good to use both of those. That'll kind of help you brainstorm. Sometimes if you're like talking about a really niche topic, Google doesn't have good suggestions or any suggestions. So sometimes you really have to do the brainstorming yourself. But I feel like once you get started and get in the groove of it, suddenly you're thinking about all kinds of related things. So what I like to do is go in with a 
just an easy keyword that I'm like, yeah, this topic is probably something that people are thinking about. I see if Google has any suggestions. If they don't, then I start thinking about it myself. So for instance, when I was talking about the elopement dresses, immediately I thought like, oh, adventure wedding dress. But I was like, hmm, I wonder how many people actually know the term adventure wedding. Right. right? Yeah, I totally didn't until you started doing it. Right, exactly. So some people may be searching for that, but not knowing what it's like officially called. Right. Even elopement in my mind had a completely different connotation. It's like just people running away to get married in a courthouse in some other state and no one knows where they went. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so terms really matter because... For instance, if you were a baker and you were a patissier, like that's a really fancy word that it is. nine out of 10 people aren't going to know. Right. So that might be your official title. That might be like what your bakery does is the fancy pastries and all that. Mm-hmm. But what people are probably Googling is like, where can I buy cupcakes near me? Or like, where are the best pastries? Mm-hmm. Like stuff like that. Way more basic. Like they're not going to know those words. So it's really important that you find out what people are actually searching because you can rank like number one for a certain keyword, but if no one's searching for it, it's not going to bring you traffic. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to know which keywords are actually being searched. Unless you know that your ideal target does know those words and you only want people that does know like what a French pastry chef is called, then that's Yeah, so maybe if you were like a French pastry chef school. Right. Yes. Then it would make sense (laughs) to use those words. But for the everyday person, Mm -hmm. they're just like, where can I get a cupcake? (laughs) So back to the... Sorry, I'm really good at taking you off track. No, that's okay. Well, and we're talking about French pastries. So I know, know, just anything French in my my mind is gone. (laughs) (laughs) So step one, know the problems and the people. Step two, start easy go like find easy keywords to start with. Yeah, and then move from there. And as you're doing that and like trying different, so if you're a location-based business, try different like location keywords like your state, your city, um, other related words to that. You know, like if you are in San Diego, it could be Southern California, it could be SoCal, it could be San Diego. Like there's a lot of different words that could Mm -hmm. mean basically your same area. Um, If your area doesn't matter, there's all kinds of other things related to all that too. So just like play around and put all kinds of things in there. It's just like a brain dump. Just put it in and see what happens. And Google may tell you nobody's searching for that. And then you know, don't bother with that keyword. Or they might tell you like, oh, a thousand to 10,000 people a month are searching for this. Mm -hmm. So it's just... It's very illuminating and it points you in the right direction of this is the keyword that you need to be working on. I kind of, I have had a hard time with it because it it has felt very overwhelming. And where did you go to just like even figure out, because I got on Google AdWords searcher thingy that you sent me to and it was like not entirely, they didn't really walk you through how to use it. No, so it's not intuitive. It's not intuitive at all. And like, I would say I'm pretty tech savvy. Like I can find my way around an interface pretty well. Like I do my, I do my own WordPress website and stuff. And so I, I felt, I felt going into it, like I should be able to figure this out. Julie said, like, it's pretty, pretty helpful. And I sat on there for a few hours and I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, 
It's showing me words and it's showing me numbers, but I'm like, how do I know what's related to what? So where can people go? And and we'll keep going on this, obviously, but where can people go just like for that particular tool to actually help them figure out how to use it without spending, you know, (laughs) five days killing themselves trying to understand how it even works Yeah, (laughs) just to find the basic words that they need? Yeah, I personally would go to Google um, and look for somebody who's showing you exactly where to click because there's a lot of extra stuff that's related to Google AdWords that you're not going to need. And so just for keyword research, you really are only clicking on like three different things, but you got to know where those are. And I think visually seeing it, like for me, it's super easy to go in there and I just like click, click, here we go. This is the information I need. But as someone coming in fresh and not knowing like what you're looking at, you're like, ah, so many buttons, so many options. Yeah, there's just a lot. Yeah. So I would either find like a blog post that has like step-by-step pictures that are like circling the things you need to be clicking on or just go to YouTube and find a video. Find somebody who's just giving you like the basics. You don't need something super complicated. Um, I mean, I could point you to some people on YouTube who I think are really great experts, but honestly, like you kind of have to know what you're doing before you even see what, cause you're like, uh, what are they talking about? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. So just find something basic and visual. So once you, so say you've gone through that step, they've figured out how to use the Google AdWords thing. What's the next step? So I have this information now. I have the words, I have the keywords that people are looking for to kind of help them give them a roadmap to find me. But then what do I do with these words now? So now you're going to want to create some sort of content that is on that topic and using those keywords. So you can either, if you're, if you have a blog on your website, you can do a blog post about that, or you can create just a regular web page. They're not too different. Like Google isn't going to treat them super different as far as like, you know, actually ranking if you do a web page, you can make it hidden. Like it doesn't have to be something that's linked from your like homepage menu and all that, especially if you're like only wanting people to find you through that. I would probably recommend this. If you're trying to put out helpful information that your people who are already following you and already checking out your website, if you want them to see that too, I would put it on your blog because then that information is like clear to find for everyone. So if they're Googling and they come find you, or if they're already familiar with your website, both those people can find that information. But if you're just trying to um, have someone find you for like services that you're offering or something like that, then it probably makes more sense to have it as a web page. If you want it to not be linked on your menu or anything, then like it's a little more secret, but people can still find you in Google. That doesn't really affect that as long as it's like a page that Google's crawling. So if people aren't writing blogs, yes. say say there's, you know, a say there's a designer that just went freelance and they just want to find, you know, let's say restaurants that need an update to their logo. They yeah. need new branding. They need like they need all the stuff. And they this person does not have a blog they don't write how do they use the seo stuff to help their people find them yeah so for them i would definitely say to create a web page start a blog 
<laughs> no, no, to, um, to create a web page. And so in that case, like they're specifically wanting to market themselves to restaurant owners. So that's like a very, a very specific, like niched thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you can really excel SEO is if you try to go for super broad keywords, like it's going to be a lot harder to rank for that because for one, more people are trying mm-hmm. to rank for those broad keywords, but also it's just harder to talk in a broad way through your text on your website. Whereas if you're talking about something super specific, like it, that's those keywords are just going to naturally come up so much. And Google's going to look at that page and be like, oh, this is definitely a page about this niche topic. Yeah. Having pages that are like very specific to a certain thing, those are going to be easier to rank for. Yeah. So I would say, because I do know a lot of designers that are, that don't blog, that just have a portfolio website. Yeah. My input on that would be use those words in a case study. So instead of doing like a blog post as, you know, here's just like an article about this thing. Do a case study of a project that you've done before that is for a restaurant. And you can, that it basically just acts as an expanded portfolio. So you can say, here's what I did for this restaurant. And then those keywords can pop in and out of that. And it acts in a similar way searchable to a blog post. Yes? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a really great idea. And also... Yeah. So when you are writing, like, obviously, um, you want your keywords and it doesn't have to be like the whole string of like, you know, if it's a keyword that has like three different words in it, they don't always have to be together for Google to know that you're still talking about that. Okay. I didn't know that. I thought that they did. Yeah. It used to be that way, but, um, Google bots are a lot smarter now. So it's more like scary and amazing. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) But so there's like a hierarchy with um, titles and stuff like that. So basically it starts with like your H1 title on the page is going to be like the most important. And visually it also is the most important. So you definitely want to make sure that your keyword is in that. That's probably going to be the title of your page anyway. So it just makes sense. But having subtitles is also important. And I think that's a great way to like address the questions that you think that your target market is going to be asking or the topics that they're wanting information on. And it also just like visually breaks up the page. So it's not just like a wall of text for them. Like that's daunting and they're not going to love that. So it helps break things up. And then also like, you know, if you're answering a question that you see that people have Googled, um, that's one of the keywords. Having that question as a title or a subtitle, like Google's going to like, pay more attention to that. Whereas if you just had that same question just in the regular like paragraph text, it doesn't put as much importance on that. So it's helpful for like the Google bots, but also for just like user experience too. So yeah, well, and our audience here is primarily designers, so they should yeah, know. Yeah, so you guys know. You know, <laughs> you know how to create hierarchy out there. At least you better if you don't. Yes. Uh, yeah. Just call Julie and I and we can we can help you out. Speaking of like broad, broad words and categories and things like that, that's that leads perfectly into Instagram because I mean, how many times have I don't know how many times you've done it, but I don't know how many times I've searched like a specific hashtag that maybe is bigger than I thought, not for my purposes, but just as an explorer, as 
a user and out there looking for things, I'll search something like creative process or um, designer. Say, let's just say designer just to check out new designers out there. And then random, like the most random photos pop up on Instagram. And it's like, this is not a picture of anything related to design. So what's happening there is it's too broad and it's popular. So the thing that tends to happen less on a web page, probably still happens, but less on a web page and more on on like social media, especially Instagram, is that people will look for the soup, like the trending hashtag. So, you know, even something like coronavirus or something that's got like a huge following of people, they will throw it onto their post just to get people to see them. So that is the opposite of of what you want to try and do. So I would say for to kind of transition from what Julie's been talking about, I think you probably still need to use those those same keywords and start to maybe yeah. transition them over into being hashtags. I've only started doing that based on my very limited use of the Google keyword thing. But when you put in a hashtag into Instagram, it will automatically like over to the left or right or somewhere nearby it, tell you how many people are using that hashtag. Yeah. So one strategy that that seems to work really well for me that I've noticed is using a mix of the really low yeah. number hashtags and the really high number hashtags. Not using the high number hashtags just because they are high numbers, but because it actually is something that you do. So like graphic design has a huge number because – right. Fortunately or unfortunately, a lot of people will identify as a graphic designer or say what they're doing as graphic design, whether it is or not. We could talk about it another time, but it's a huge <laughs> hashtag. But often I still use it anyways because it's what I it's part of what I teach, it's what I do. But then there's also things like I have started always using my very own hashtag, which is uncommon inspiration. And that one I'm trying to grow so that when I when I'm talking to people that understand what that means, they will be able to search through everything I've created based on just that hashtag. So what is your experience? I have I have just recently really started to strategically use hashtags to find my people now that I am transitioning over to being more of a creative coach and speaker and hopefully writer very soon. But you know, being a podcaster and stuff, there's there's like a lot of things. And every time I put out like a post, the captions change because it's not always about the same thing. So how have you used yeah. like the keywords and your hashtag strategy to help people find you on social media versus finding you on just Google? Yeah. So they are definitely related. I will say like one thing that I find a little frustrating about Instagram hashtags is it tells me how many posts there are with that hashtag, but that doesn't tell me how many people are searching that hashtag. Right. Yes. So for Just instance, how many people are using it, not who's actually caring about it. <laughs> yeah. So if um, a hashtag is heavily used by other adventure allotment photographers, but actual couples aren't looking at that mm. hashtag and don't know to look for it, it doesn't matter how many you know, posts there are with mm -hmm. it, it may not help me. So it is really important to, again, go back to like what, like thinking as your target market, what will they be looking for and what kind of hashtags they'll use. 
So I try to kind of follow people who I think are my target market Mm -hmm. and like create a relationship with them on Instagram. And so if they post a photo, I try to look at what hashtags they're using and make note of those. And a lot of times they're unrelated to my field, you know, like related to the outdoors, different hashtags like that Mm -hmm. that aren't like elopement related, but they're outdoors related. So it's like common interest. And yeah, so I have, I have like a a whole database of hashtags and it really is a mix of things. And I think throwing in a little bit of everything in a strategic way, I don't mean just like picking random things and being like, I hope this works. (laughs) Just throwing stuff at the wall. Yeah, no, that's not how we work. Yeah, exactly. That's not how we work around here, Julie and I. No. (laughs) So the, the, the downside, and I just want to make it really clear, like the downside to going after big hashtags is not just because they're big, but it's because you will be lost in a sea yeah. of all of these hashtags. So I could search graphic design and literally be scrolling for probably days and never hit like the end or maybe yeah. even hit anything <laughs> I'm remotely interested in. I had been using design process because that's what I teach. And what I found when I was following that hashtag is that people have people more closely associate design process to industrial design. Yeah. Than they do graphic design. So I've I'm now in the process of trying to figure out my hashtag strategy so that people find, like you said, they don't know that they're searching for design process. Yeah. So what I've what I've arrived at most often is that the problem that I'm helping solve is that people have creative block. They don't know how to get started. And process that I teach solves that, but they're not going to be searching for that. So I search creative block or, you know, things like that. And that yeah. has a far, far smaller number of, of uses than the other. And then you can actually find your people that are like, you know, I hate my life sitting at my desk, hashtag creative block. And it's like, you, yeah. you are my person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, I also ask the people who inquire with me like how they found me Mm -hmm. and if it's through google or instagram i specifically ask what they searched and that is Mm. really illuminating to tell you like this is what like my actual real life target market person found me through this hashtag and it doesn't mean only use that hashtag from here on out but you know at least someone was looking there and thought to look there so that's a good step further because i actually i i think Every single person that finds me on Instagram and I answer every email or inquiry I get obviously on my website and I always ask them like, how did you find me? But I yeah. don't often ask if ever, I maybe have asked a couple of times like what, like sometimes they'll say, I found you with hashtags. Like that's all they'll tell me. And if they say that, I'll say like, can I ask like which hashtag it was? But I don't do that for my website. I just like someone will say, I found you through like Google or LinkedIn. And I'm just like, okay, that's good to know. But yeah, I think going that step further really is helpful. Yeah. Um, And another thing that I'm like trying to do more is thinking outside of the box of like, if they found me through another account on Instagram where I was like featured or, you know, somehow like showcased or linked or whatever, what would that account be? And like, you know, if another adventure elopement photographer like shouts me out, like, cool, great. But would someone like hire me Mm -hmm. based on that? I don't know. You know, 
But like, what are the related things? Like it goes back to your target market and like what their hobbies are, what their values are. Like, what are the things that are important to them and they spend time thinking about and looking at and all that? Where can I be showcased or like collaborate with someone in that different industry? And then people be like, oh, an aluminum photographer, that sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. I'll go follow this person when really like they were originally following a backpack account right. or like hiking with dogs account or something like that. So I think like thinking outside of your industry of like a place where you could collaborate with another account that um, is related but unrelated. Yeah, like the peripheral stuff. Like not just yeah, right exactly. in the center. Yeah, that makes total sense. But again, not random, you know, like yeah. really look into your target market and like what kinds of things, like what does their personal Instagram account look like? Who are they following? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is one of the questions that we did um, make sure to tell people to answer when they were creating their like ideal audience is yeah. who else do they follow on social media and why? So not yeah. just other people like you. But what other kind of things like what for me, I th- I might be looking at what kind of like planners do they use? Because the kind of people my target yeah. audience wants to have something physical that they can, you know, work with and they have a planner and they don't just use their calendar on their their phone or whatever. So, yeah, so things like that. So lastly, before we wrap up, um, just briefly, what is alt text? Because we sort of I touched on the fact that we would talk about that just a teensy bit for maybe um, I'm guessing most people know what that is, but for the people out there that like this is all new to them and they especially mostly have images like portfolio type stuff on yeah. their website, <laughs> how can they use alt text to kind of drive people as well? What is alt text and how can they use it? Yeah. So alt text is the hidden text that you can go in on your end of things and put into an image but nobody's actually seeing it when they're looking at your website. In years past, people tended to keyword stuff that, but the actual intent intent for alt text is if someone is hearing impaired and they're having their computer read out text to them, the computer is going to read what hopefully is a description of what that image is. So Julie would say, Wind blowing in breeze behind. Right. (laughs) For my little palm trees here. Yeah. So I think you can use it as both. You can still stick keywords in there, but you also need to make sure it's accurately describing the image and not just saying, you know, like a whole string of keywords that even isn't even a real sentence. So make it a real sentence, make it describe the picture, but totally throw some keywords in there. Yeah. Like how you would describe it to someone if you were actually talking to someone having to describe that. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And one quick thing I want to note about that too is um, you don't want to have the same – this also goes for like um, the file names of your images that can have keywords in it as well. But with alt text and your file names for the images, don't just put like the same – uh, name and then just you know one two three four guilty they all need to have guilty yeah, julie they all need to have, <laughs> <laughs> they all need to have um, separate different names and that's an opportunity to put a wide variety of specific keywords in there but if it's all the same then you're going to be competing against yourself and that's just oh silly. <laughs> man okay so i i think i'm gonna have to have you do like a an seo thingy with me so yes. quick plug for um, you. Yeah, Tell so, me about this 
And I'm probably going to need to do one with you, but... <laughs> yeah, so since I am nerdy and I like to talk about this stuff, <laughs> um, and I love like problem solving and figuring out like what is you know the right strategy for people to use for their business, I do offer SEO checkups, and that's like a one-on-one call that is an audit of your website and going in and specifically saying these are the different things page by page that you can change to make a difference. So starting with, if you don't already know, like what keywords you would need to go for, we talk about that. um, And it's all based on who you're trying to reach and like what your goals are. So yeah, like a a nice one-on-one call of like helping you figure it out so you're not feeling lost. And it goes beyond like me just telling you how to do these things, but actually like specifically for your business, here are the different steps that you need to take to make a difference in your SEO. So My students have had a lot of success and gotten a lot of growth, which always makes me super excited. So I'd love to work with anybody who's feeling like they do want to do it themselves, but they're really not sure where to start and they're intimidated by things. So you can go to seo.julieheider.com and find out the information about the checkups. And I will put the link to that on on our uh, show notes. So that will be available to everybody. And I'm probably going to do that right now when we hang up, go schedule that with (laughs) you because I definitely have a basic understanding, but I I could definitely use some, some more, some more goodies. So hopefully we've given people some new ideas on ways they can help people find them metaphoric without them metaphorically showing up on people's doorsteps. Don't do that. Asking for their business (laughs) because nobody likes that. I feel bad for like the solar sales guy that has to knock on everybody's doors because. Yeah, door-to-door sales, not really a good idea anymore. We're we're not in the 50s, people. Make it stop. Nope. (laughs) So, okay. That was Scoobies in the Back by Half Noise. You can find this song and lots of other inspiring music on our Spotify playlist. Just search music from Design Speaks. All right, everybody, that's our episode for today. If you enjoy this show and want to support us, become one of our exclusive patrons over at patreon.com slash design where you'll have access to some extended episodes and fun bonus content. Design Speaks is produced by Kenneth Niffin and Dakota Cook. Audio production by The Podcast Babes. Thanks to Colin from Vespertine for our theme music. You can find Vespertine on Apple Music and Spotify. Design Speaks is a project of Brandy C. Designs. It is recorded and produced in the shadow of the Watermelon Pink, Sandia Mountains, near Albuquerque, New Mexico. You can leave us a note on Instagram at Design Speaks Podcast, and you can find all current and past episodes at designspeakspodcast.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. <laughs>